0: Let's go ahead and begin. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done Everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of God.
1: Amen. Thanks, Vince. Morning everybody.
2: Merry Christmas. Happy New year, um, my name's Kenny. If we haven't met I'm one of the pastors here, I was the same guy that was singing a minute ago a <laughs> moment ago. I think to always make that clear, there's not a random doppelganger running around um, uh, yeah, so we are here uh, as Vince said, we're in between holidays um. I've been seeing a meme that went around this week uh, that, like, it was, like, stick figures, but December 1 through 26 is, like, festive, and then December 27th through 31 is, like, you're confused, full of cheese, and you don't know what day it is. (laughs) And I feel like that's, like, so it's pretty accurate a lot of times, but... um, that's where, that's where I find myself today. I'm full of cheese and uh, don't know what day it is. Um, no. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, okay, that's why I'm here. Okay. It's Sunday. Thank you, Mike. Um, but holidays, there's a lot of joy, and uh, there's a lot of merry and making merry and uh, making good memories. And how many know there's also a lot of pain sometimes? And sometimes holidays can be really, really hard for people for particular reasons, or maybe you have a little bit of both going on—joy mixed with pain. Um, I know uh, my wife and I—we were with her family for Christmas, and um, they had asked us to sing, you know, a song or two. And um, and she was starting to share, and as she was sharing, like uh, I think she shared a verse or a thought before the song, and like totally out of nowhere, she started crying while she was talking. And I think, I uh, actually, we haven't even got to talk about why, but I think it was just the emotions of realizing the family's there and the people who aren't there, who were there last year, uh, wondering about who's going to be there, you know, next year when we celebrate. And um, a lot of that kind of flows together um, and is mixed, the joy and the pain. And as I was studying this passage, we're just going through the Gospel of Luke uh, during this series um, this passage really speaks to that a lot because so far in, uh, you know, we went through chapter one and the first part of chapter two, and last week we talked about, you know, uh, the birth of Jesus and that story, and um, but what's kind of characterized the whole book so far is it's all like really awesome. Like, there's like these angels that show up, Gabriel shows up and uh, gives a message, and there's... Um, other angels that sing from heaven, and there's these miraculous things going on. There's these prophecies happening. Um, There's this, uh, this keeps coming up, this theme of like fulfillment. God is fulfilling these promises he made long ago, and there's shepherds, and there's a state, not a stable, there's a manger, and, um, you know, there's babies. There's John the Baptist, there's baby Jesus. And now, if you're reading through the book, the stage has finally been set for Jesus to enter the scene. It's very triumphant. Um, But there's something that's unexpected that happens in this passage, because in this passage, you really see the first hint of uh, pain. But there's going to be some pain involved in the gospel, too. And we're going to look at that. Um, if you didn't catch it as Vince was reading it. But really the joy and the pain in this passage serve as kind of a microcosm of the gospel, kind of the gospel in a nutshell, because you've got this excitement, this triumph, because God is fulfilling his promises. Everything in the Old Testament, he said, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to deliver his people. And there's this joy, but then you also realize that The way God is going to do that is going to involve pain because
1: it's going to involve the rejection and the death of his own son, Jesus. And that the gospel
2: brings both joy and pain really speaks to us today. It really speaks to us today in between holidays. It really speaks to you today in your life because how many know we go through times of joy and pain often at the same time? Sometimes it's hard to even figure out if you should be excited or crying (laughs) because of the different things that life throws at us. And because the gospel brings both joy and pain, I believe it speaks to us in both our joy and our pain. And so today I want to look at that. I want to look at the characters in this story that that Vince read from Luke chapter 2. And really what's happening is you're seeing some of the first people meet Jesus, And what I want to look at is that idea of meeting Jesus, because when you truly meet Jesus, you find the reason for your joy and also the comfort in your pain. We see that in the text, and I believe um, my hope is that we'll see that in life. And so I just want to, before I talk about the reason for joy and look at the text more, I want to pray. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for this time together. We thank you for... um, or we don't want to take for granted another day of life and another breath in our lungs. Um, God, I just want to be grateful uh, for this moment that we have. God, I pray that we wouldn't let it pass us by. Um, God, that our, our hearts and minds wouldn't just go in cruise control, but Lord, that we would be present and here in the moment and be listening to you, listening to your word. God, your word is alive and active, and it, it speaks to us. It, um, it reveals even things about ourselves that we're not aware of, and so we just ask that you do that today by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so when you truly meet Jesus, you find the reason for your joy, and we see that in this story today through Simeon and Anna. So, um, in the last passage, Jesus has been born, in this passage, he um, is a is a little baby boy, so he is sweet uh little six pound eight ounce baby Jesus uh, that we talked about last week. In this scene, he is that, that he is a small baby Jesus, um, and he's been celebrated. There's been a lot of things that Joseph and Mary have heard and begin to wonder, okay, who is this boy <laughs> that we have? What is God? Gonna do through him, and uh, in under the law of Moses, under the Old Testament law, they were supposed to go to the temple and offer sacrifices very early in his life, and so that's what they're doing in the first three verses. They go to the temple, and uh, they they're offering the sacrifices. And if you notice, it says that they offered doves, which the the first level of sacrifice is like a, a I think a lamb, either a lamb or a goat. And but if you couldn't afford that, you could offer doves, and so we have a hint into kind of their social standing and status that. Maybe they didn't have a lot of means, but they were still um, serving God and faithful to obey uh, what God required of them. And when they go there to the temple in Jerusalem, these really cool things happen that were unexpected. And we meet Simeon. Simeon, it says, if you um, read the passage there, it says he was righteous and he was devout, um, he believed in God, he loved God, he served God, he served other people. That's what it means to be devout. Um, you get this picture of an older man, because it talks about, later it talks about him being ready to die, and, you, and he, he has a relationship with the Holy Spirit, because the scripture says that it was the Holy Spirit that told him that, that he had a promise from God, um, you are going to meet the Messiah before you die right? And so, and then the spirit moves on him again and says, go to the temple. And so he goes to the temple. And um, man, this is the kind of week it's been. I don't even have the right passage marked in this Bible this morning. (laughs) Forgive me, guys.
1: (laughs) I have the Old Testament passage there. Um goes to the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the little baby Jesus,
2: he recognized who Jesus was. And he had this moment of seeing Jesus. And before I go a little bit more into that, let's also talk about Anna, because they're kind of side by side. Anna is called a prophet. Um, So obviously, she has a relationship with God. It says that for years and years, she spent her time in the temple. She was married for seven years and then a widow and then, if you, depending on which translation you read, she was either 84 years total old, or they are saying she's 84 years a widow, so she'd be over 100, right? However you read it, but she's old. And um, old and faithful to God and has a relationship with God, and she says that she's praying and that she's fasting. And it says that both of these people, Simeon and Anna, they're, what they're longing for is the consolation of Israel, or for Anna, it says, the redemption of Jerusalem. And really what that's saying is they're longing for God to keep his promises because they've, they know in their faith there is a coming Messiah who's going to make these things right. It's going to make sense of these things. And so they're praying, and they're even fasting, which is in some ways kind of a form of protest to say, I am depending on God. I'm praying. I'm looking forward, God, to your promises because right now we're under Roman rule and we're under the brutal force of the emperor who is keeping us down, and we, we're not free. Our nation feels broken. God, we are praying, we are longing, we are looking forward to the day. We're old now. We're about to die. I don't know when. We're old now, and we're used to suffering. We're used to this status quo of brokenness and yet the promise of hope that you've given and so we keep praying keep praying god keep your promises and so the spirit tells simeon you're going to meet the messiah before you die and then when mary and joseph bring in little baby jesus to the temple simeon sees him and what does he say Simeon took his in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord,
1: as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. It's kind of like what we say, if so-and-so happens, like, I could die happy, right?
2: He's saying, I can die now because, God, you kept your promise and all those things I've prayed for and longed for and I've read in your scriptures and I've talked about with other people, I have seen it. He says, I've seen, my eyes have seen your salvation. You can dismiss me now, now that I've met Jesus. I can die in peace. I can die with joy. All the years of prayer are worth it. All the years of waiting are worth it. All the suffering that we've endured, all the trials. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. Actually, some of you may know this. If you had a, a Catholic background, uh, the, the, that phrase, now dismissed is a, is a song uh, based on Latin, nunc dimittis. Anyone ever heard of that? Uh, maybe. Anyways, uh, it's a song. <laughs> it's the Latin for that, now dismiss, nunc dimittis. That has been sung in the church for over 1,500 years. Based on this passage, these three verses that Simeon bursts into song and in praise of God. And it's not just in the Catholic churches, it's in the Reformed church. Those of you who love the Reformation, John Calvin and his church and during the Reformation, this was the song that they would sing during communion. Now dismiss. There's something important here. There's something worth noticing like I said, it feel, when I read it, it feels like I can die happy now because I've seen this, because I've met Jesus. And so when I read that, I ask, well, why so much joy? <laughs> why? How could he say that? I mean, there was a lot, probably a lot that he saw go wrong in his life. There was a lot of injustice he saw. There was a lot of oppression, a lot of brokenness. How could he say, I can die now? <laughs> with joy and praise in his heart. First thing, I think it's a work of the Spirit. It's obviously a work of the Spirit. The Spirit's all over this in the passage. The Spirit gave him the promise. The Spirit told him to go to the temple. I think the Spirit gave him the eyes to see that this little baby was not just a little baby, but God's Messiah. And I think it's the same for us. If we're going to really meet Jesus, it's got to be the work of the Spirit. We've got to be listening to those nudges that the Holy Spirit is putting in our hearts when Jesus is showing up in our lives, because if we're not listening, we're going to miss it. So it's a work of the Spirit. Why else so much joy? Another one, Simeon saw that God was keeping his promises in Jesus, that all these Words that he had said, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in in the sight of all the nations. We talked about last week, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the consequence or the circumstance, God is always at work to keep his promises. Even when it looked like the only reason Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem was because Caesar was powerful and wanted money. (laughs) What was really going on? No, God had promised The Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, and so even though they didn't live there, he was going to get them there. God is keeping his promises in Jesus, and that's joy, especially if you think about it. I mean, we've all heard Jesus for a couple thousand years, right? But think about if you're living in this scenario when God has promised the Messiah, and you've never heard of him, and then God reveals to you, this is the Messiah. This is the one who is going to redeem and reveal and safe. There's joy because we're reminded that God keeps his promises. And then thirdly, there's joy because the salvation that God is going to bring through Jesus is
1: bigger and better and fuller and richer than you even thought, Simeon. We may
0: not
2: pick all that up when we just read it at face value, but Um, what he says there in that verse, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. And then in verse 32, he says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. A light of revelation for the Gentiles. And he's directly quoting a verse from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6, and Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6 where it's talking about the Messiah who's going to come, and he's going to redeem Israel. And he says he's going to be a light for the Gentiles. So Does anyone know what Everyone knows Gentiles, right? It just means non-Jewish, um, which is everyone who's non-Jewish. <laughs> so that's me, and that's a lot of us. Um, but in the Old Testament, and in the Hebrew uh, culture, and people who follow God, in many ways, it was really just one nation that followed God. And they talked about their faith, and they shared their faith, but Isaiah prophesied that when the Messiah comes, he's going to be a light to the Gentiles. And then when Simeon says, I've seen the Messiah, what he says is, this one's going to be a light to the Gentiles. And what it means is this. See, the Jews of that day, they knew about it, but it was not like an emphasized promise. They were looking for a Messiah to save Israel, and they knew about these verses, but it was not what everyone was looking for. But what Simeon says is, yeah, he's going to be our Messiah, but he's going to be the Savior
1: of the whole world.
2: It's not just going to be here. It's going to bless everyone. And it's just like he told Abraham in the beginning, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation, but I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. All other nations will be blessed through you. And what Simeon is seeing here. The Messiah is everything we expected and even more. Because he didn't just come to bring hope for me. He came to bring hope for everybody. A message that needs to be shared. And thank God, a message that has been shared. Otherwise, this church wouldn't be here. If Jesus didn't come to be a light to the Gentiles, I got news for you. I would not be a preacher.
1: <laughs>
2: I would probably not be a Christian. I I, I It wouldn't be like it is. (laughs) We wouldn't have this hope that we have. We wouldn't have this faith that we have. We wouldn't have this reason for joy in the midst of pain and hard circumstances that we have. If Jesus hadn't not just fulfilled the promises, but went above and beyond and said, I'm not just going to
1: give hope to Israel, I'm going to give it to the whole world. And so Simeon says, this
2: is awesome. (laughs) God, you have kept your promises, and even more than I even thought, God, you can dismiss me in peace. I have reason for joy. And Anna, we have more information about her life. We don't really have her words here, but it's the same sentiment from her as well. And what am I getting at with all this? I think one of the points that we can discern from this passage is if you really meet Jesus, you've met the source of joy that will last your whole life and into eternity. That answer to that question of if I had this, or if I had this, or if I had that, or whatever that question is for you, you know, what, what, would, you, what would it take for you to die happy, you know? You know, we say that jokingly, culturally, like, oh, okay, I can die now, right? <laughs> I, you know, I knocked that off my bucket list, right? That's the whole thing, right? If you get all the checks on the bucket list, then you're, you're good, right? You're ready um, to kick the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> but what this passage teaches us is that Jesus is that. That if you have Jesus, you can have joy. Not just for dying, but for living, You can die happy if you have Jesus, but you can live joyous if you have Jesus. The question for me when I read this passage and for you today is to think, do you have joy? Do you know what joy is? Do you know what your joy rests in? What makes you happy? What makes your soul full? I think we have the... the, you know, Christmas presents is are are awesome and I love Christmas presents, but it's funny cuz you know, sometimes it reminds us of how fleeting like the happiness can be, right? And I know parents know this, you know, but it's like you know, kids open gifts and it's amazing for however many minutes and then like at some point either maybe it's the same day or the next day it's like I'm bored. They're <laughs> like, "Wait, what?" So all these toys, and the thing is, I'm not just going to pick on kids because, I, I mean, we do that, adults do that, the same thing, right? <laughs> it's like, this gift was awesome, and then I'm thinking about whatever else, you know. How quickly it can pass. We're prone to wonder. Our hearts are prone to, prone to, prone to, I don't know what that is. Prone to look for joy in all the wrong places. But if your joy is in anyone or anything other than Jesus, you will know, and this is how you'll know, you won't have joy. If your joy is resting in anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ, this is how you'll know, you won't have joy. Even if you know him and you believe in him, if if your answer to that question earlier was, I don't have joy right now, might I suggest that you do have joy, but you've placed your joy in something else? No, I don't mean you have to be happy. I don't mean you have to grin and bear it. I don't mean you have to smile and just laugh when life throws suffering things your way. No, that's cruel. I don't mean you have to paste a smile on and act like you don't suffer because you're Christian. And if you really
1: had faith, you'd be happy. And that's not what I mean. But Christian
2: believer, if you're here today and your answer to that question is,
1: I don't have joy in my heart
2: right now can I remind you that you do? You have access to the source of joy. You have access to the one who if you, when you really meet him and when you really see him for who he is, you could say like Simeon, I could die happy. I've got everything I need. My soul has the one it longs for and so much more. Just like Simeon and Anna were praying and fasting for decades and prophesying and saying, God's going to save. God's going to send his Messiah. God's going to save. And then when he shows up on the scene, it's not like, it's not just like, oh yeah, he did it. No, it's like he did it and it's better than we thought. That's what Jesus is to our souls. That's what Jesus is to our souls. And I am convinced and I will be the first to confess putting my joy in other areas, putting my joy in the problems in my life being figured out, putting my joy in my task list being complete and getting an A plus on it, whether or not anyone's getting a grade. (laughs) You guys are seeing a glimpse into my heart, all all right? Putting my joy in so many other things that are natural and even good things, and yet, how many times have I... And left after that feeling joyless,
1: knowing Jesus but feeling joyless. There's something that's not right about that. When's the last time that you celebrated simply the fact that you know Jesus? You know the Savior of the world and that he knows you, and he
2: knows your name. He sees every tear that falls. He sees every joy. He sees the sense of accomplishment when no one's there to give you a high five. Jesus loves you and knows you. When's the last time that your heart, you just shut off the other things and said, I know Jesus. And maybe if you're going through suffering, maybe it's like Job says in the middle of Job, he says, my redeemer lives. Doesn't mean his suffering's over. Doesn't mean his crying's over. But there's a moment in the pain to say, I know the one who lives and I know the one who's redeeming me. And if I have him, I have everything I need. If I don't have him, it doesn't matter what I have. When you really meet Jesus, I had a moment um, so long ago that I can't remember all the details that. Led up to it. Seems like that's happening more now that I'm <laughs> in my uh, mid-thirties. But um, no, um, there. It was uh, college years. I think I was around twenty, and I had knew I was. I was going through. I was really. I had gone through a couple years of really struggling with my faith. I had tons of doubt, um, and I end up kind of like making a, a break from the. You know the. Um, the teachings that I grew up with and the church I grew up with because there were some just things that I could not reconcile with the Bible. Like, like yeah, yeah I'm not going to go down that whole trail. But I was really searching and really struggling. There was a lot of pain with that. Some of the heroes of my personal heroes of faith in my own life had failed miserably and failed me and felt really alone. And um, I, was, I think I was studying late one night, and then I was driving home. And before I got home, I pulled over to this parking lot it was a very dark night, and um I was just being overwhelmed and just prayed and I closed my eyes and and it was just this spiritual time of just realizing how precious Jesus is, and I remember just like in that in that car that night, just telling God, "My life is yours. you can do with my life whatever you want." and this may sound weird, but as I had my eyes closed, I think I just had a fear because I'm in a really dark parking lot alone. And in my car, just like praying and crying. I'm like, I'm very vulnerable with <laughs> my eyes closed. And so my eyes are closed, and I just imagine like if I opened my eyes and someone was standing there with a gun to shoot me. <laughs> this is what happened in prayer. And I'm not like putting a stamp on that. I'm just telling you what happened. And... Um, But I kept my eyes closed, and I remember praying, God, my life is yours. I give it to you,
1: and even if that's your will, it's yours. I want what you want from me. It's yours. Now,
2: I'm sharing that not to build myself up or say, oh, look at how awesome I am, because so many times, I just told you, so many times I don't have that attitude. But I can tell you something else, like having that experience brought a deep change in my life to say, God, whatever the road ahead leads me to or brings to me, whatever it is, Jesus, you're the one who's worth everything. And if I have you, now dismiss your servant. You've already kept your promises. You've already brought joy into my life. Amen? Amen. When we really meet Jesus, we meet the reason for our joy. But we also meet what I'm here to talk about in the passage, the comfort in your pain. So so far in this passage it's been a lot of joy. They're going to the temple, they see Simeon and he says these awesome words and you know, praising God for this little baby and then they see Anna and she shares a prayer of blessing and these awesome words and and this has all been happening with Mary and Joseph. And I can, I mean, just put yourself in their shoes. Wouldn't that be pretty overwhelming? You're like, you were just going to do your sacrifices that you need to do. And then these people that you don't know <laughs> walk up and like, this baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can die now that I've met your baby. That's like, a, that's like a next level up, you know, besides like, your baby's so cute. I could just eat him up or whatever. And it's like, no, I can die now. I've met Jesus. Um, so it's all good so far, right, and uh, in verse uh, 33, you know, we have a little bit of that, it says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, so they're, they're kind of in awe, like, wow, like, what is, what to make of all this, you know, then it says this, verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many
1: hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And that's when it's like the record like screeches. It's like, like
2: like, Simeon, bro, why? Like you should have stopped like... End on a high note, man. Like, they're marveling at your words. Like, and I love the scripture too. It says, Simeon blessed them. And then he said this. Like, it's like, that's your blessing? Um, (laughs) Kind of raining on the parade here. But it's important. It's important. It's important for um, this book, this gospel, is introducing this theme that God has come to answer his prayers. He's come to fulfill all his promises. There is so much rejoicing to be done, but there's also this theme of, like, it's not going to happen like you think. And it's not all going to be parades and happiness and parties, and Jesus is here. There's going to be pain. Pain is going to be involved in this. Mary, this boy, he's the cause for great joy. But his life will also bring great pain. It'll bring pain to himself. It'll even bring pain to you, Mary. A sword will pierce your soul, Mary. In spite of all the joy, the true, real, deep joy, there will be pain. There will be suffering, Mary. How many have found that to be true? In life and in the life of faith, despite all the reasons that we have for joy, are there not also reasons for pain? Is there not suffering that we face? Even if you know Jesus, even if your joy is truly in him and your heart is aligned with him, we are not immune to pain and suffering. Many of you I know are vividly aware of that right now, this week. Others have been reminded of it in the holiday season, like we talked about. It's the pain of loss. There's pain pain related to our faith. There's pain of watching people, friends, or loved ones fall away from the faith. There's pain of being rejected in the public square because of our faith. There's pain not related to our faith, just related to the trials of life that we all know are part of life, but when they happen to us, it rocks us. One thing that I've often said about um, Christianity is that I love that we have a faith, that we have a gospel
1: that addresses the pain in our lives. It's not explained fully. I don't think
2: that We have the full explanation to why we go through what we go through in life, but it is addressed in the gospel. Here's why that's so beautiful to me, because real faith doesn't
1: ignore a suppressed pain. Real faith exists in the midst of pain. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, in
2: fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted.
1: Jesus said
2: in John 16:33 to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble.
1: But take heart. I have overcome the world.
2: Jesus said again in John 17 to his disciples, or in, in prayer for his disciples, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We
1: have a faith that doesn't ignore pain, but addresses it. Here's why that means so much. If we don't have a faith that addresses pain, then we don't have a faith
2: worth following. And if we don't have a Savior who is touched by pain, then I would say we don't have a Savior worth following. But the good news is we do. We follow a Savior who didn't ignore pain and suffering. He didn't just come in one long 33-year parade through
1: his time on earth. He did not ignore pain and suffering. He experienced it himself. He experienced the rejection. He experienced
2: being spoken against. He is the one who is the word of God become flesh, and the word of God experienced being spoken against
1: by those he created. The God who is love experienced rejection by the ones who made him.
2: Rejection his whole life. Mocked. He would do miracles, and they said, you have a demon. Right, he would say, "God is my father," and they would say, "Well, no. At least we know who our father is." Making fun of the virgin birth. He was. He would hang out with those who the religious people wouldn't hang out, and they call them a glutton and a drunkard. He experienced. It was not just on the cross he experienced pain, guys. It was during his life, he faced pain and suffering and rejection. And lonely nights and times where he had to depend on the spirit. He had to have time with
1: his father in prayer alone from everyone else. And here's the comfort
2: in our pain. The Messiah that came, the celebrated, promised Messiah, the one that God sent to save us. He came to
1: overcome our suffering by joining in it. He came to overcome our suffering, and he did, but the way he did it was by coming under our suffering.
2: And here's why that's so powerful. I said earlier, we don't have have the explanation for pain. We don't don't fully have it. We have some reasons. We don't know every reason. I don't know every reason why you suffer. I I don't know. But because of Jesus and because of the type of Savior he is and because of the cross... I do know that it's,
1: it's not that he doesn't care. Because in order to save you and to save me, in order to save us from
2: our sins, he didn't just snap a finger. No, he came and he suffered. And he was rejected and he was spoken against. And it was painful for Mary to watch. A sword pierced her, her soul, but a spear pierced his side and blood and water flowed out. And so I know that when I suffer,
1: I know it can't be that God doesn't love me or doesn't care, because why would he suffer for me? It can't be that he doesn't care. The cross that Jesus
2: went to shows us how deeply God is moved by our suffering, that it was
1: only in joining in that suffering that he could save us. Jesus even cried out, if there's another way, let this cup pass nevertheless. The comfort in our pain is
2: this. The Savior who came to save us didn't just ride the wave of fame and comfort. No, he walked where we walk. He felt the loneliness and the pain. He felt the loss of loved ones. He cried at Lazarus' tomb. He laughed over a good meal.
1: He was moved to see a mother who lost a son. Jesus was moved by our pain, but he overcame our suffering. He went through suffering to overcome it and to give us hope that we too will overcome it. Amen? the passage in Romans 8, you're probably familiar with it, but I I want to read part
2: of it in the New Living Translation. kind of speaks to this, verses 31 and uh, the following. It says, what shall we say then about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to
1: separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? That's the comfort in our pain.
2: My message today is not to distract you from whatever pain you may be facing, but it's to proclaim to you that there is comfort in the gospel of Jesus Christ for the pain that you're facing. That the God that we serve is the God of all comfort, who comforts us so that we may comfort others with the comfort that he has given to us. 2 Corinthians 1. He's the God of all comfort. And he's not immovable and and unmoved by our pain. No, and the cross proves it.
1: He has suffered with us, for us, to give us hope beyond suffering.
2: Because like I said earlier, when I was the other Kenny up here... (laughs) We sing that song, worthy is the lamb who was slain, worthy is the king who conquered the grave. We celebrate that he was slain for us, but we celebrate even more that he rose again. Victorious. That's our hope. That's why we can gather and we can sing. That's why in times like these, mixed with joy and pain in the holidays, we can still have joy in our hearts because we've met Jesus. We know Jesus. And and even if our hearts wander this way or wander that way, all we have to do is repent and, and come back and say, God, help me to be aligned with you. Help me to be focused on you. Help me to remember that you're my joy more than any other thing. There is a comfort in Jesus, I believe it, church, that can take you beyond just surviving into thriving. And I don't mean like I don't mean thriving in the, you know, health and wealth way. I mean thriving in the midst of where you are.
1: That even, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. It will take you beyond death and the pain of death into resurrection
2: and the hope of resurrection. It will take you beyond falling into rising. Someone commented that every one of Jesus' followers must fall before they rise. We see that in the life of Peter, the closest follower who denied
1: him three times when Jesus needed the most and yet went on to preach the gospel and build the church. When you meet Jesus, you meet the comfort in your pain.
2: Many churches around the world read this passage in part of their liturgy. They read it in February, and uh, a lot of places it's called Candle Mass, and they light candles, and the candles represent the light to the Gentiles that Jesus came to be. But the timing of February represents this. It's in between Christmas and Good Friday. It's in between the light of the world coming and the darkness of Good Friday when Jesus came and, and salvation dawned on the earth and Good Friday when, when even the sky was dark because he died. And yet they read this passage and celebrate it right in the middle because even though life has brought us pain, the joy is more. The joy that Jesus brings carries us even more through it. And here we're on the threshold of a new year and I don't know where it finds you. But my guess is it's a mixture of joy and pain. My guess is as you look back over the year, you have things that when you think about it, you could really celebrate and really be thankful for. And maybe as you look back over the year and your current situation right now, there's other things that really, truly hurt. And again, my, my call to you is not to act like those aren't true. It's to say, no, there is comfort for me in the gospel of Jesus Christ
1: and there is joy for me that's more powerful than the pain and i have hope that it will be let's pray father you're you're so good you're so good, yeah, my heart is heavy today. um praying for friends and neighbors,
2: challenges in my own life, just feeling the weight of um often there's there's a lot of sadness, Lord, and um god, i I thank you for this passage that that really comforts us and also challenges us, Lord comforts us that you see and that you know, reminds us that we're not alone, Lord. No matter what we go through, we are never alone. And God, we're not without hope, Lord, that when we come together on days like today, we truly have cause to celebrate who you are and what you've done and the life that you've called us to, God, and and the vision and the hope that Each one of us has in our future, Lord Jesus. It's all because of you. God, I pray for anyone who's here who has not yet met you, who's not yet met Jesus. I pray that faith would be rising in their hearts even now. And if that's you and you hear me, all you have to do is turn away from sin and turn to God. Turn away from living for yourself and believe that Jesus is the son of God who came save you, to die for your sins and rise again, to give you new life, and you can begin that relationship with him. And for those of you who are here and you know Jesus, but you feel joyless, my, my prayer is that your heart would be redirected back to the one who
1: is truly your source of joy no matter what you will face. God, you're the only one who can give us true joy. The world will tell us to
2: distract ourselves, to ignore things, to tell ourselves a different story. But
1: Jesus, you're the only one who stared death right in the face for us and overcame it. And God, for that we rejoice. We thank you. I pray that Your word would speak today and you
2: would minister to our hearts. And we invite you in the next few minutes.
1: In Jesus' name, amen.